We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Revis gives him like five yards of cushion from the five. And Stevie, for probably the first time the entire game, does not do any herky-jerky. He goes on a beeline, straight down, slant. Beach Revis to the point, catch, touchdown. Just beautiful, man. We're throwing back to an episode I did a few years ago with Ian Harditz, now with Fantasy Life. Fun matchup between the Bills and the Jets. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Stevie Johnson going full YOLO against Darrell Revis in peak form with the Jets. Stevie wins some, Darrell Revis does his thing too. For a rewind on Remember That Game, the show about sporting events that take you on a journey and maybe chart the path of the zeitgeist. I'm your host, Thomas Emmerich. Enjoy the show. Oh, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I've been waiting a long time to talk up my guy, Stevie freaking Johnson. Just one of those wide receivers. I mean, all right, did this guy have the longest and best career? No. Will he be on any old decade team from the last 10 years? No. But you look at what he did from 2010 to 2012, thousand, 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 ten tutties, seven tutties, six tutties. And the manner of which he went about doing it, man, was just so much fun to watch. Just, you know, I, I love seeing you guys like Des Bryant, you know, Calvin Johnson just take over the game with their God-given gifts. Other guys just, you know, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, they run past everyone. But it takes a special guy like Stevie Johnson, who's, you know, 6'2", 200 pounds, dripping wet, probably never ran, you know, a sub 4, 5, 40, uh, even on the best day of his life. It takes a special kind of guy for him to trip up the best cornerback in the league of the era, Darrell Revis, consistently to give the best cornerback of the era all sorts of problems and to be just a complete swagger hound the whole way while doing it, man. I love me some Stevie Johnson. Fitzpatrick, no fucks given. First pass, Stevie Johnson at Darrell Revis. The first one does not go nearly as well. It's behind Stevie Johnson, nearly picked off by Revis, but they keep going at him in the first half. And this is at a time where throwing at Darrell Revis would get you a lower quarterback rating than if you just threw the ball at the ground every play. In this game, Stevie Johnson would put up more yards on Darrell Revis than he would give up overall in a game over his final 31 games with the Jets. And Stevie Johnson uh, did it all by himself here. Fitzpatrick involved in this. And did it seem like uh, the same old guy 10 years earlier? Or did you see a different Ryan Fitzpatrick? Dude, that's what's kind of funny right now. I mean, seeing this, I believe Chan Gailey was still the guy. Yep. 
with the yeah yeah okay Chang Gailey was there we're getting the Gailey Fitzpatrick partnership back in Miami this year so you know it was a little bit fun to see what a number one wide receiver can do uh in this Gailey offense CC Devontae Parker but man these like you said the first half what was so crazy about re-watching it was I mean I I knew the routes were there I've gone back and looked at these before but I didn't realize until I'd seen the broadcast that uh Stevie hadn't had a single reception in the first half in any of the previous three weeks he had four on Revis through freaking like 20 minutes of the game and yeah like you said first one Revis won knocked the ball away but after that dude it was just one gorgeous release after another and you know just really really focusing on Stevie's routes instead of just kind of following the ball like you know you will most games it was just wild to see him you know even on run plays almost spooking Revis getting him guessing you know never seen Revis look so uncomfortable out there and you know credit to Fitzpatrick for being you know the yellow ball quarterback that's not afraid to consistently attack the best corner. I think it was like in the second half where uh, Rich Gannon, I forget the uh, other guy on the game, but one of them was like, yeah, it's wild to say this, but it seems like Fitzpatrick is, uh, yeah, picking on Darrell Revis. Didn't really remember this being a, a team. I don't know how many games they did together, but Marv Albert and Rich Gannon, uh, it was an interesting combo. You got the guy who brought you in Fuego in the 90s NBA Finals. And Rich Gannon, who I thought did a really great job of illustrating some issues on the other end of the field where the guy gets the snap, he throws the passes that nearly get undercut, and then he gets the booze from Jets fans. That's Mark Sanchez. Um, And, I mean, Gannon, maybe the greatest at anticipation and throws over the middle. Mark Sanchez seemed to love the throws over the middle, but they... Did not love him. <laughs> yeah, not not so much. But yeah, uh, credit to those announcers for it took them until I think 10:50 in the second quarter before they mentioned Fitzpatrick went to Harvard, so they were able to lay off that during a time where everyone loved to bring it up. And then uh, Shannon Sharp doing all the scoring updates throughout the game oh. was a lot of fun too. Uh, so I enjoyed that one. But yeah, man, dude, the thing with Mark Sanchez, like, okay, obviously he was a bad quarterback and stuff, but he did make a couple throws in this game and seemingly every game where you're like, wow, like, okay, I, I do see why he was a top 10 quarterback pick once upon a time unfortunately you know few and far between and I don't think he always made the best decisions with it but this Jets offense man was like not good at all but they just had like these fun throwback players everywhere which yeah I guess that's going to happen when you watch a game from 2011 but Sean Green I mean LaDainian Tomlinson was out but we had a Joe McKnight you know getting some run as a kick returner and stuff Brad Smith was on the Bills after being on the Jets before like that was a wild revenge game going on he had a hell of a touchdown over Cromartie at one point but yeah I mean Sanchez was out there throwing a Santonio Holmes who was like another Stevie John Johnson-esque underrated guy from the, you know, the past decade or two. And also, like, I never put together that the game Stevie does, the Plaxico Burris gun celebration, Plaxico was on the other sideline yes. the entire time. So it makes a little more sense once uh, you put that together. The audacity of Stevie Johnson. He hasn't had a first half, half catch in a few games. He hasn't had a touchdown in a few games. Apparently, after the season was revealed, he had like a torn groin. The announcer was talking about sprained AC joint. And after doing nothing the previous few games, the Bills are on a three-game losing streak. Johnson scores on Revis. He's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to show out now. You know, I, I have a couple things ready in case I score on Revis." Uh, does the fake shooting of his leg, which some of the production crew freaked out. Pretty quickly, understandably, uh, at one point you see one of the cameras, I guess they couldn't figure out where to cut, so they hand really quick to some random part in the crowd and do a quick zoom out. 
<laughs> which was which was nauseating but i mean stevie johnson brought the fire so what you gonna do and then yeah right after that then doing this the santonio holmes uh jet touchdown celebration oh to- he did do that you're right i was wondering why he was running out with his uh arms outstretched i didn't realize he was mocking both of the dudes that's even better game just started he's already mocking both the other team's top receivers who e- each of them have super bowl winning touchdown catches and he's like yeah i don't care I, I just torched Revis, so I'm gonna torch these kind of guys of, too. It's kind of out of character for him too. Like he's not, he's not this guy that like every ball he catches, you know, he's flexing or doing a first down pump. I mean, once he got going against Revis, okay, you could see him getting his swagger uh, back a little bit. But you know, I felt like it was just a little bit of random. It wasn't like Chad Johnson or Terrell Owens who was just always doing some sort yeah. of celebration. I mean, for it to come to Stevie made it that much better. Dude, the touchdown itself, though, was awesome because literally, again, this whole game, you know, they're showing you the wide receiver cornerback, like, specific shot on Revis and Stevie. And Stevie is just taking, like, six steps, you know, faking outside, faking deep, and then cutting inside, getting all sorts of separation, you know, these herky-jerky routes that we love from Stevie. But the touchdown was actually so great because Revis gives him, like, five yards of cushion from the five and stevie for probably the first time the entire game does not do any herky-jerky he goes on a beeline straight down slant beats revis to the point catch touchdown just beautiful man like and again that i was so impressed never takes a snap off even when it's a run the other side of the field stevie's setting up some release for a move like that you just see that replay in a vacuum. You're like, how was it that easy to beat Revis? But then you see all the other routes Stevie was running against Revis and how he set him up with so much weird shit uh, that suddenly it makes sense in that context that he could get that cushion off the line and that hesitation from Revis on the touchdown puts the Bills up 14-7 to in the second quarter. And Stevie Johnson, as far as touchdown celebrations, it's not like a weekly thing like it was with Terrell Owens or Chad Johnson, who everyone remembers as you know, the gold standard bears, and understandably. But Stevie Johnson had a short uh, Gail Sayers-esque run as far as celebrations go. And at one point, I, I guess there's something about Terrell Owens and uh, Chad Johnson being the Batman and Robin of touchdown celebrations. So Stevie Johnson pulls up his jersey, says, why so serious? Because he, he's now considering himself the Joker to their Batman and Robin. There was also uh, no real comp for Stevie Johnson in the NFL at that time. Seventh rounder out of Kentucky who's giving Drell Revis and then later Richard Sherman issues. Is there any similar comp today? I know Devontae Adams and, and Keenan Allen were, were a little bit of a different mold coming out. Is there is there any anyone close to Stevie? Um Maybe Keenan Allen a little bit because, you know, they actually did end up playing together. And I think you see in some of Keenan's routes where he is so patient off the line, the amount of separation he gets. I think there's a lot of Stevie to Keenan Allen's game. I think Keenan's probably out, you know, especially at this point in his career. If Keenan could put together a couple more big seasons, we're going to see uh, – you know, him, just him continue to put up numbers that probably uh, will, will, Stevie's will pale in comparison to him at some point or another. But just in terms of the top corner thing, you can look at Devontae Parker, even Corey Davis, if he kind of gets some things going, because for some reason, those have been the two guys to give Stephon Gilmore the most trouble over the last few seasons. So maybe if like Corey Davis goes to his second team and starts making things happen. But both those dudes are, you know, winning more on physical traits than anything. So I, I would say Keenan Allen, just in terms of the way they play, best modern day comp for stevie had a good year in 2010 but it was it was so shocking much like the Corey davis uh, stefan gilmer game because johnson hadn't been playing well recently part of that was fitzpatrick had 
two touchdowns, seven interceptions, and three horrendous losses in the past three after the Bills had started the season 3-0. A part of it was yeah, after the season it came out, Johnson was playing through a lot of injuries. No one sees this coming from Stevie Johnson. I mean, if it was we were, you know, putting out DraftKings advice at the time, Stevie Johnson's probably going sub 5K despite being the Bills' best receiver because he's going against Revis, and we're probably still not even entertaining the idea of a contrarian play there. Oh, yeah, we wouldn't have been touching this, man. I mean, look, to be fair, it's not like Stevie just went off for like 200 here. I mean, let's see, it was eight catches, 75 yards one tutty could have been a lot more though man potentially i mean just the i think every single one of his catches like the longest one was probably like 17 yards on a comeback mostly was just you know creating insane amount of separation on slants you you did start to see like all right fun parts in the second half uh first first snap of the second half you know they're talking stevie revis see what adjustments first snap they get another eight yards on revis like mm-hmm. ridiculous and you actually started to see them start to send some underneath help to try to deal uh with the slant and uh you know even over the top a little bit at times which was rare for revis you know truly revis island you never saw cornerbacks just shadow and not get the help uh, the same way he did that's why you see him kind of barking on twitter about uh, sherman and some of these other guys uh mm-hmm. even nowadays so Going uh, uh, later in the second half, though, man, like the first seemingly incompletion that's been targeting Stevie since the, like, the first throw of the game. Great coverage by Revis. He kind of forced Stevie off the field almost like into the sideline. But Stevie like got one foot down and still caught this thing one-handed against his helmet. Yeah. Like even when it was an incompletion, he was still almost making Revis look bad. So, But, man, what was nuts uh, for me, I get to the end of the game, and unfortunately my game pass – uh, cuts off at two minutes, so I watched the rest. I did too. Yeah, that was weird. So I watched the rest all twenty-two. Man, what happened on that post that seemingly hit Stevie right in the hands? There, he looked kind of confused. I know there's an offsides penalty, but dude could have capped his game off with like a thirty-yard touchdown where he had you know Revis twisted like a pretzel. Yeah, that was that was wild. I mean, just how close we were to Johnson actually doubling his receiving numbers potentially catching a game-winning, like, 60-yard touchdown. Um, and, th- and that was such an odd play. He had five yards of separation on Revis. Like, did 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 he actually beat Revis that bad? Or, or, or was there supposed to be some sort of pass-off because it was uh, under a minute left? Like, that was bizarre. I think he twisted him, man. It looks like he wow. faked out and then came back in on it. So it was... Uh... It was wild. And then, you know, you saw Stevie, like, unfortunately, he's really well known for that drop he had against the Steelers, uh, I believe, a few years later where he should have won the game in overtime. But, like, that one, he was devastated. He knew. This one just – I wish I could have heard the commentary because maybe there was something I was missing on the All-22. But he he seemed kind of confused when it happened. So, I don't know, man. It it was good to see Fitzpatrick go back to Stevie like three times in the final four plays, uh, a little high on the uh, last play of the game. But, yeah, man, uh, dominating, like the most dominant 875-1 line you've ever seen. That really could have been so much more. That's right. The play after the drop, he actually has Stevie Johnson wide open in the end zone, just throws it behind him. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, it was behind him. He got open on all three of them pretty much. The, the yeah. last one would have been, had been a perfect, perfect throw. But, yeah, he breaks open like late on the second to last one and Fitz just puts it behind him. What could have been? Yeah, the, the, the most amazing 75-yard receiving performance I can remember. <laughs> Apparently this era with Chan Gailey, I think, or would end a little sourly. So there's another celebration Stevie Johnson did 
And he, he lifted his jersey to reveal that Happy New Year was written on his undershirt. Oh, pretty innocuous. He gets a 15-yard penalty, and Chen Gailey benches him for the rest of the game, for the rest of the game ending his season. Unreal, man. Like, really, that's the thing we're going to get upset about? Come on, people. Steve Johnson, another receiver, much like Chad uh, you know, Johnson, Ocho Cinco, and Trell Owens would be far more lauded and allowed to fly free when it comes to touchdown celebrations. In today's NFL, that would fit in perfectly. And then maybe he was thinking about his next celebration as he caught that from, as he dropped that pass ahead of Revis. He could have potentially gone the distance there for the game-winning score. I tend to think maybe he was just thinking about the ridiculous move he just put on Drell Revis, how he just liquidated the greatest cornerback in the game, and then he's so wide open, he has too much time to think about that. That's got to be the only way, right? I think so, man. You do see like the receivers drop the easy ones after coming up with all kinds of crazy catches. There's just always been such a smoothness to Stevie's game in general. So I don't know. Even when he dropped the ball, even though even when he drops a perfect pass, like I'm willing to kind of hear his side of the story and wonder like what could have gone wrong. Even though it seems pretty clear that you know should have been an easy pitch and catch. But fun game, man. Uh, Santonio actually Santonio Holmes ended up getting the game winning touchdown with a nice. Uh, toe drag swag there pretty bad game from sanchez overall but got him it was funny to see plaxico burris score a touchdown in this game as well but then like show some restraint like come on man after stevie shows you up like that i feel like he should have uh i don't know mocked him somehow or at least said something about it afterwards maybe he did plaxico yeah he, he scored it felt like minutes after stevie mocked him getting shot in the upper leg by himself and Plaxico just just comes out, does a bow to the crowd, trying to move it, move past it any way he can. The less they're talking about that in the media, the happier he is. But Mark Sanchez, as you mentioned, had a poor game there. Both this season and in 2012, he would rank near the very bottom in PFF quarterback grading. This coming off of two straight seasons where he put it together enough in the playoffs to help them get to a conference championship game including once in Indy where Sanchez led a game-winning drive to beat Peyton Manning in the playoffs, which is one of the crazier things in history. So this is a real inflection point for Mark Sanchez, though. I mean, they've been to two straight AFC titles, but he's getting booed every time he throws a bad pass. Uh, Sometimes just him coming on the field is getting boos. They had just spent 10 days stewing on a Thursday night loss to the Broncos that ended with Tim Tebow running in a 20-yard touchdown in the closing seconds. So this is a salty fan base here. Did it seem like the Sanchez era was just on its way out the door, or did it seem like it was still uh, potentially salvageable at that point? I'm just laughing at his final stat line from this game. 17 of 35, 180 yards, but four touchdowns (laughs) and one pick. One of the worst four touchdown, one pick games you'll see. Yeah, it was wild, man. Just hearing him talk about Sanchez, like even before the game started. And they're like, yeah, it just seems like he's lost his confidence. No one trusted the dude. And as you said, I mean, in 2009, as a freaking rookie, the dude knocks off, the dude makes it to the AFC championship and like was making some incredible throws early on in that game before Manning and company pulls away. The next year, he he beats Brady and Manning. Now, okay, like he wasn't asked to carry the entire team in those games, so maybe that's where like the confidence drop off happened. But it it was startling, kind of how quickly it happened, because you know nothing from his first two years in the league would kind of indicate that he couldn't at least be, uh, I don't know, an above average quarterback. Like to see him flame out that quickly and like really never get a hold again. I mean, this was a guy that 
couldn't even, I guess in Philly in 2014, he got eight starts, but that was kind of because of some injuries going around. I mean, I would have at least expected him to kind of get a, uh, you know, second start somewhere else, get a change of scenery, get a chance to start. But, you know, came and went pretty quickly. Good for him for picking up, uh, you know, a good half decade's worth of checks as a backup uh, after kind of the prime starting days were over. But, yeah, I, uh, you know, expected Sanchez to be a little bit more than the end up being based in those first couple of years for sure. They kept talking about how Dustin Keller was his security blanket and his most targeted player. PFF had him a middling tight end uh, as far as receiving grade, just below Jermaine Gresham. So if Jermaine Gresham is your most targeted player, your, your pass offense is probably already in trouble. Do you think it hastened his decline that Rex Ryan, they keep saying, hey, hey, all week, Rex Ryan has been telling Brian Schottenheimer they got to run the ball. So, you know, going in, that's going to be a uh, handy, uh, leave you strapped a little bit. And then the top two receivers, yeah, Plax and Santonio Holmes, great careers. But after the season, neither really makes any noise, uh, you know, potentially on their way out. There was, a, there was one third down where Sanchez is throwing it out to Holmes to move the sticks. And then Holmes turns up field to run the wheel. Punt, he and Holmes were not on the same page anymore and Holmes doesn't really stick anywhere else afterwards. Uh, do you feel like the weapons around Sanchez hastened his eventual exit in New York? Yeah, it's just kind of unfortunate, man. You look at uh, San Antonio Holmes's career, you know, he goes from catching the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl and, you know, October 2008, oh my gosh, possession of marijuana. And like, that's what, you know, ends up being the thing that kind of gets him uh, done with the Steelers, or at least led to it. I mean, there were, you know, other things going on with him as well. But, you know, I, I think we all know, you know, the kind of elephant in the room when you talk about off the field issues with the Pittsburgh Steelers and he's being a member of that franchise for over a decade and a half. So, you know, Unfortunate to see San Antonio kind of, but that's that's life. You know, your your franchise quarterback's going to get more chances uh, to you know be a model citizen than your wide receiver. Unfortunately, so yeah, San Antonio. You know, it's I'm, I've been a Columbus, Ohio guy my whole life, so you know I've always held San Antonio especially close to heart. It was fun seeing him make a few big plays this game, had a reverse for a big chunk, but yeah, you said it, man. It was wild looking at these uh, just kind of uh, st- career stat lines throughout this game to see kind of what these guys did afterwards. And Santonio eight scores that year, same at Plaxico, but yeah, neither guy could even really get on the field much uh, after that. Stevie still had himself another good year or two before kind of injuries started to give him issues as well. But uh, yeah, man, as you were kind of saying in the intro, it's a, it's a game, just a small, small snapshot of the game itself. But you know, once you kind of dive into a little more, it is a little bit of an end of an era from some of those uh, really dominant receivers from kind of the end of the two thousands. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and the beginning and end of an era for Brad Smith, who scores his first touchdown since 2007 in this game. The announcer's talk about how yeah he's brought over to run some wildcat but it's 2011 and the wildcat's already over so they're trying to figure out what to do with them and makes a pretty spectacular catch fitzpatrick in 2011 was already loving that back shoulder fade this one was well underthrown, and brad smith tips it over antonio Cromartie for a touchdown and and what the announcer is lauded as the four longest arms you could possibly uh, have do battle in the nfl yeah, man, it was fun seeing Brad Smith out there. He was like the cool version of Taysom Hill, pretty much playing, you know, running back, receiver, and he could also he could also throw the ball. I mean, he was a lot of fun out Missouri when he was just their full time QB, making a bunch of plays. And you know, he never really even got a chance to be an NFL QB. I don't even know if he was like lobbying for that much, but you know, we did see him over the years. I think more so with the Jets than the Bills actually get chances to throw the ball. But he was out there returning kicks too. I I also laughed at the no about you know the four longest arms in the league were involved in that play but what a just ridiculous play for him I'm not really sure like what had to happen for Brad Smith to be the franchise's like wide receiver too it seemed like that kind of weird year around this time when like week one came around Devin Hester was the or I guess it would have been uh, around this time when uh, Devin Hester was the Bears like legit wide receiver one for a season mm-hmm. like something had to go wrong for this to happen but you know Brad Smith has like just an inner like the exactly what you want in like your wide receiver for like a versatile dude that can do a lot fun trick plays and also play a position in a pinch uh, I think he was probably being asked to do a little bit too much in that situation but no nah, that guy was a lot of fun back in the day and that touchdown brings it to 21-21, a, a really weird game that has stretches of horrendous offense, but also stretches of exhilarating back and forth. And it takes us into a tied fourth quarter. Yeah, as you mentioned, Santonio Holmes eventually gets the go-ahead touchdown that holds with a minute left. Kind of the same part of the end zone where he caught that one from Big Ben in the Super Bowl. Um, shades of that. Sanchez did have an odd knack for going from terrible play to extremely clutch play. Sometimes, you know, whether it's the end of 2009, 2010, struggling before, just turning it on enough in the playoffs, and sometimes just drive to drive. Um, That was an answer drive Sanchez had there, down 24-21, leads the the go-ahead drive, hits Holmes. Fitzpatrick's able to get the ball back, does put throws in place for uh, Stevie Johnson there. Fitzpatrick also had some other throws that game. I think he came away as PFF's highest-graded offensive player that game. Um, had, was hitting that back shoulder. I actually had one to Brad Smith that he didn't come away with, but like four years later in MetLife, Decker and Marshall would be coming away with those back shoulders regularly. Do you think when Fitzpatrick was on his game in 2011, that's the maybe the best QB play the Bills got that decade? Oh, wow. Shots fired at Mr. Josh Allen, I see. Uh, <laughs> I know you're a Josh guy, yeah. Nah, I think it was just still so turnover heavy. I mean, it was fun to watch for sure. But, like, you look at those Bills years. I mean, that season, Fitzpatrick had 24 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. I mean, he was just – I don't think we – we weren't even necessarily getting the same, like, big booms we've seen in recent years from him. It was more of, like, a moderate boom or more likely bust player at that point. I oh, think – uh, 
<laughs> I think uh, Tyrod Taylor's like 2015, 2016 seasons. Like I was looking at um some t- like team wide yards before contact stuff because the- I think the idea that you have this Russian quarterback uh, opening up the rest of your run game really does hold true, and we've seen that where the top four offenses in yards before contact over the last half decade have been the 2019 Cardinals with Kyler, 2019 Ravens with Lamar, and then 2015 and 2016 Bills. Uh, with Tyrod Taylor. So I'm excited to see what he can do with the Chargers this year. I mean, those Bills offenses were legit. I know they didn't make a ton of noise, and Tyrod has his issues, but, you know, he was a guy that was able to go out there and lead them to consistent success. Unfortunately, at that point, Fitzpatrick was, you know, kind of leading them to consistent, like, 6-10 and records. You know, it wasn't all his fault. That defense wasn't all that dominant. And, you know, other than Stevie, again, he had Brad Smith as number two receiver. Like, that shouldn't have been happening. So, uh, now, I would probably put Fitzpatrick number three on the all-decade Bills team, unfortunately, behind uh, Tyrod one, Josh Allen two for now. Oh, yeah. And let me yeah, let me clarify. I would take 2020 Josh Allen over 2011 Fitzpatrick. I think Tyrod had the best seasons of a Bill quarterback last decade. Yep. I wonder if Fitzpatrick's peak play, where the three games prior to this, he was maybe the worst. I mean, he, he, he was above Nathan Peterman and not much else in the three games prior to this Jets-Bills game. But his play in this, this peak play in this Jets-Bills game gives a, a fight to anyone else's single-game peak play. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, when Josh Allen still isn't thrown for like 275 yards in a game, it's hard to hard to battle too much with that. So, yeah, now when Fitzpatrick is on, man, he is on. You know, there's something about living your whole quarterback career as this is Yola Ball artist, and he has done it, you know, for – decades now and it's been fantastic the whole way to watch and do you think there's similarities to Fitzpatrick in 2019 where he comes in for the Dolphins behind shambolic offensive line really only has decent enough tight end and really one go-to receiver makes it work flashes of of Fitz magic as well you know I mean maybe a little bit of a premonition of 2019 Fitzpatrick here in MetLife in 2011 a little bit, man. He he actually did get some like other chances to, I mean, start and with other teams after this. I mean, it's just wild the amount of teams this dude has played on throughout his career as it is. But I mean, even after this season, he goes on, starts nine games for the Titans in 2013, 12 games for the Texans in 2014. He was the Jets starter for two seasons. You know, he kind of came into Tampa as the backup and then ended up doing his thing when Jameis was either hurt or ineffective or suspended or wherever it happened to be for balling out uh, last year, man. Definitely saw signs of things to come, you know, with that just boomer bust style that he's yeah. had. So I hear you there. I think the uh, potential 2020 version of Fitzpatrick could be Gardner, Gardner Minshew, man. Ooh. Just you know, entertaining, fantasy-friendly, gunslinger, degaff, ball thrower, and, uh, you know, probably on a bad team. So it, it's too bad, you know, we never got to see, like, playoff Fitzpatrick out there or anything. I mean, the fact that a uh, 10-6 and six Jets team still didn't uh, qualify for the playoffs was certainly, uh, certainly insane and unfortunate. Yeah, and yeah, he'd be robbed of that by Rex Ryan. Yep. Much like he, he's robbed of a victory in this game. This Ryan Jets defense still keeping them afloat. Not as great as they were in 2010, 2009, but still a top five total defense. Still got Revis and Cromartie. I mean, those two paired with Rex Ryan. Is that the best kind of one-two combo in a scheme that you can remember over that, that past decade? Yeah, Chargers had some, you know, when Verrett was on top of his game, him and Hayward were pretty nasty. Some of those Broncos teams, but 
just in terms of Cromartie and Rivas consistently being asked to, you know, track the number one guys on the other side of the field and, you know, do a really good job doing it. I mean, Cromartie, those were probably definitely the probably definitely that's a good way of saying it. Uh, I would say those were the best uh, years of his career, you know, and this was a guy that played good 10 seasons there. So, you know, Rivas, when he got the number one and then I think Cromartie at his peak was probably anyone's idea of at least a top 10 guy whole lot of problems for them and you know just seeing throughout the game it was interesting because they didn't really move stevie into the slot i mean they were not concerned about this matchup it's not like they were actively trying to get him to avoid revis there was like only one or two snaps where you saw uh, anyone other than revis on stevie but you know it goes hand in hand where cromarty is going to be taking out the other guys so uh fun times where they kind of realize uh mid-game that they got to change things up i remember it might have been the year after, but it was week one, Jets, Cowboys, and Dez goes out there, like, touchdown on Cromartie, big play on a slant, and you just see Revis, like, next drive, like, just now, come on, Cromartie, it's my turn. I'm I'm guarding Dez now, so little things like that. I mean, defenses nowadays, the only really corners you see truly tracking all over the field are Stephon Gilmore, Darius Slay, uh, Jalen Ramsey, and Tredavious White, except for the slot, so you just mm-hmm. don't really see – cornerbacks being asked to do that as much anymore i i you got to give them more respect i think than you know just the cover three artists they're all great players and you can't penalize guys like sherman uh you know some of those broncos defenses where they weren't asked to travel all over the field they didn't have to and they were great defenses anyways like doesn't matter it's team success overall but the fact revis and cromarty could do what they did and what they were being asked to do was very hard compared to the normal cornerback's responsibility yeah I, i'd say they need to be minimum top three of any top cornerback duo list of the past decade yeah and stevie johnson still got it done brad smith got one on antonio cromarty i this was shocking to me Apparently, Stevie Johnson is the only Bills wide receiver to have back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Andre Reid, apparently, his were spaced out. Even though it was a short spurt, was Stevie's run with the Bills the best of a receiver the past decade? I mean, maybe you got Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods in there, but does Stevie Johnson stand above the group? Oh, absolutely. I think he should definitely be that guy. I mean, look, Watkins had his fun games and all that. And I mean, I, I love Smokey's 2019 season with a thousand, but he's not going to be able to break that with just one year. Nah, Stevie was the bills, man. He was that, was that early, early 2010s bills offense. And I don't think, uh, you know, anyone else they've had over these past uh, two decades can, can touch that. I'm sure, you know, in their nineties, early nineties, hey, heyday, maybe they have someone to, to battle with Stevie in terms of franchise records and things of that nature. But no, in terms of early 2010s, I mean, Stevie was that guy and he was great at being that guy. This has been another episode of remember that game. Please rate, review, subscribe, and check out more episodes. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.